This is episode one of the True Freshman Podcast. It has been a long, long, long time coming. My name is Joshua Manning, and I am going to be the host of this podcast. A little bit about myself at 25 years old, I became the senior pastor of one of the most storied churches in the city of Dallas, Dallas, Texas, that is. This church was very active during the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. The Reverend Jesse Jackson spoke here. Ambassador Andrew Young spoke here. Um, When the Southern Christian Leadership Conference launched its hunger campaign, it did so out of the basement of this church. When high school students were making picket signs for sit-ins in downtown restaurants that were segregated, they made their signs at this church. I mean, one of the first leaders of the Black Panther Party here in Dallas was also a youth that grew up at this church. And so you want to talk about a church that has a legacy of fighting for equality and change for the people of God um, to be seen as children of the most high rather than less than because of the color of their skin. This is the church. And I forgot to mention one of the first black state representatives elected to the Texas government officed out of this church while he was in office. And so there is a lot there. Um, I'm originally from New York, so I had to get caught up very quickly on all the things that took place. Um, And while this church had a very strong legacy of being active in the community and fighting for change and fighting for equality and fighting for equity, um, when I got there, In 2017, it had experienced some significant decline. Not only did it experience significant decline in membership, um, it took on debt as a result um, of a fire that burned down the original building in 2001. So there was a lot happening. Um, You have a significant amount of debt. Then you have a declining congregation with aging members. So all of those things were happening, and I was fresh out of seminary. I was never an associate pastor on anyone's staff. The most experience I had insofar as working in professional clergy roles was being a pastoral intern at a church for six months instead of nine months uh, during my last year of seminary, and I was a youth minister at a church in the suburbs of Dallas while I was in seminary for about a year. Um, But I spent a lot of time in church growing up. I was in church Tuesday night, Friday night, Thursday night for choir rehearsal, sometimes Saturday for praise team rehearsal, and then three services on Sunday, including Sunday school and youth programming. So I spent a lot of time in church, but I didn't have any professional experience running a church. So you can imagine that I was overwhelmed coming out of the gate. 
Now, a couple of years later, I found my rhythm, and that has been the result of um, some mentors who invested time and energy into me, people who have invested money into our ministry, um, people who have taken a risk on my leadership, including the cabinet and district superintendent uh, who appointed me to that church. And it has been the result of some very hard work. Um, the hard work of self-reflection, the hard work of owning up to my failures, to my mistakes, to my shortcomings, even being honest about the things I did not know instead of becoming defensive about the fact that some of my own flaws or growing edges have been exposed. So one of the things that has happened after this first three-year stint as the pastor of this church has been having an opportunity to sit down with my leadership team and reflect together on what we have experienced. So I talked a little bit about my own heavy lifting insofar as reflection, but our congregation does that work as well. And so our leadership team sat down at the end of last year for what we can, what we call sort of an annual review of my leadership, my growth, my development, um, and just general checking of how things are going. We do this year round, but this, this end of the year review is a different conversation. Um, and during this conversation, this past December, one of the members of our leadership team bought up a very valid point. This team member insisted that the leadership of our denomination did a, myself and the church a disservice by appointing someone to the role of senior pastor who had never been an associate pastor elsewhere before. And, you know, try to make me feel better by saying, well, some things you didn't know and it wasn't your fault. That is really the fault of the church for appointing you here with very little experience. And while I took it in stride, I was a little bit offended and I could admit that. Um, and while I was sort of in my own feelings, reflecting on what was just shared Another member of our leadership team shared something that set me free. This team member said, essentially, there are times in which athletes show up on college campuses and they do not have time to learn. Instead, they begin contributing right away. And that is what we call a true freshman. I cannot begin to tell you how important that perspective was for me and how it changed my own perception of self. I spent three years beating myself up for not knowing or thinking that I was undeserving or ill-prepared to be in this role. And for a member of our team to turn around and say, I hear you. 
and your concern, but also sometimes the right person comes along at the right time and you have to take a risk despite the fact that they do not know exactly what they're doing. And so for those of you who are listening and are unfamiliar with the term true freshman, um, I'm going to try and summarize college athletics for you and eligibility in about a minute. Essentially, when high school students show up on a college campus uh, ready to participate in athletics, they have four years of eligibility that are supposed to correlate with the four years it should take you, in theory, to complete a bachelor's degree. Um, so they have four years of, a- of athletic eligibility based on the four years of academic study they should be doing. One of the things that we've seen in recent years is a surge um, in the use of redshirt status for college athletes by college athletic programs. Redshirting means that freshmen, more often than not, will sit out of athletic competition their first year of academic study so as to retain an additional year of eligibility for athletic competition. So case in point, I don't know about you, but it took me five years to finish my undergraduate degree. Just academically, I was not an athlete. And so essentially, you're talking about students being at school for five years, but only competing athletically for four out of the five. They still practice and all those other things. They're just not in official competition. And that is what it means to redshirt. On the other hand, true freshmen do not redshirt their first year. Instead, they show up and they begin contributing right away. They are responsible for getting on the field or on the court, on the baseball diamond, wherever it might be, um, right away. And because of that, there is a lot that they have to do right out of the gate. They don't have a year to sit around and observe the culture of the athletic program. They don't have a year to sit around and learn the playbook. They don't have a year to sit around and get to know their teammates and build trust with them before they get into competition. They have to do all of these things at an accelerated pace so that they can begin contributing right away. So very similarly, what this team member was saying was our pastor essentially is a true freshman someone who did not have the opportunity to sit around and observe and or practice before being appointed here. Instead, he had to learn all these things on the fly. And that is not uncommon. When he said that, something struck a chord in my spirit. Not only because I resonated with it, but because I truly believe that there will be an increase in the number of leaders who are being tasked with stepping into significant leadership roles despite having little to no prior experience at no fault of their own. This is simply a sign of the times. What we are seeing is 
baby boomers have outworked their work expectancy. The retirement age for most people used to be about mid to late 50s. Now, baby boomers are working well into their late 60s, early 70s. And I can tell you that because the denomination that I'm in, the mandatory retirement age for clergy is 72. 72 years old. That means in other industries, there is a correlation. What we're seeing is baby boomers are retiring later. And unfortunately, I'm going to say, in my opinion, that has left Generation X at a loss. So let's just put it this way. Some of this is speculation. I have some articles that can give you this information, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, But as baby boomers are retiring, they are leaving a huge gap in the workforce, in experienced workers. Right, They are leaving younger workers who are more inexperienced to fill in the gaps, to do the jobs, and fulfill the tasks that they have been doing for decades. Um, and my own personal experience, my own observations, it's almost as if because baby boomers as a generation were so busy working uh, to live the life they wanted to live – they did not make the same investments into the development of Gen X that others made into them. And so what we're seeing is that Generation X should be prepared to step into significant leadership roles, but more often than not, they have been overlooked by baby boomers who were focused on doing the work themselves Right. Not thinking they were going to retire anytime soon because they're much healthier than their than previous generations. So they're continuing to work and do it well. And so now you have Generation X. um, As the heir apparent. Insofar as stepping into these roles, but because they lack the experience, really the training or mentorship, they're not ready to step into them either. So there are people in their late 40s and mid 50s who are incapable or ill-equipped to step into these leadership roles. And in what I'm seeing is that organizations are actually skipping over Gen Xers who have maybe 15 to 20 years left of working and popping down to millennials and zennials and giving them the keys to the ship. They're saying you have time to develop. You have time to grow. You have a high ceiling and we're just going to let you try some things. And that's essentially what happened to me. And I know if it happened to me, there is a good chance it's going to happen to somebody else. Um, I've seen it happen to some of my peers in other industries. And again, I just think this is something we need to be prepared for. So, One of the things that really bothered me while I was pastoring um, or starting to pastor professionally 
was that there didn't seem to be a lot of resources out there for somebody like myself who did not have a whole bunch of time to serve under people or learn under other people's tutelage before stepping into the senior pastor role. And so what I want to do is make sure that there are not other leaders like myself, not just religious leaders, but other leaders in other leaders in any industry um, who feel the same way, who are mounted by the same frustrations of like, really nobody understands. Like I get, you want me to do these things. I know this is what the job description says, but I really don't know how to do this just yet. Um, and I want to make sure that you all have the tools you need to succeed because it felt like more often than not, I did not. And so while we are starting out this podcast, we are doing it so that as younger leaders and inexperienced leaders are being asked to step into these roles, they know that they do not have to go through it alone, but that there are tools readily available for them. And people who have been through what you're going to go through, who can share with you their stories, their testimonies, if you will, about how they made it through those frustrations, how they continue to grow and develop despite the challenges, how they overcame some of the challenges, how they dealt with some of their failures, how they pushed through some frustration, how they stepped away from certain things, how they battled with imposter syndrome, which is essentially believing that somebody's going to uh, find out that you're faking it, right? that you don't really know what you're doing. Um, all of these things are happening to those who have been asked to step into these roles with little to no prior experience. And I just want to take a moment to let you know you are not alone. We are in this together. And so, again, this podcast is really intended to help people like me who have been asked to step into significant leadership roles, avoid a number of the pitfalls. And one of those greatest pitfalls is believing that you are in it by yourself. I cannot stress that enough. To believe that is you against the world is one of the worst things that you can do for your success. You really have to find tools and people um, networks that can contribute to your positive self-image, to you seeing yourself as capable despite all the things that seem to be going wrong, to be attached to people, again, who have been through what you're going through, and to not be so full of pride that you refuse to ask for help. When when someone asks you to do something around the boardroom table or in the conference room in front of a group of people, you don't have to say straight up, I'll do it. When you don't know how to do it, don't let anyone force you into doing stuff you don't know how to do. And if you happen to do something like that, go ahead and find the answer. If you don't know it, Ask somebody who does. If you can't find somebody who does in your workplace, use Google. Google is your friend. If you can't find it on Google, use YouTube. YouTube is your friend. And if you can't find it any of those ways, then you have to deal with the consequences of not being able to say, 
I can't take that on right now. But we'll talk about that in a later episode. Um, So our hope over this next um, couple of months, hopefully years, is that we can help you lead change effectively because one of the tasks that is given to leaders like us is that we are expected to create change. People don't come find us or reach over another generation or pass over another generation for us, for us to continue to maintain the status quo. They do it because they expect us to create change, to push for progress and for things to be different. That is what leaders do, right? So our hope is that you, you will have the tools you need to lead change effectively. Another hope is that you will be able to have some peace about this season of learning and adjusting. We really want to put your anxieties at ease. It's not to say it's not to say that you will not be anxious at points in time, but we do not want you to have of a disposition of anxiety. We don't want you biting your fingernails at your desk every five seconds or to take on self-destructive, addictive habits to cope with the anxiety that you're experiencing. Um, And most importantly, really, it's my hope that we can create a network of support for, for each other and aid one another in our development. There are a lot of leadership podcasts, um, a lot of podcasts on how to lead a church, a lot of podcasts really on how to lead change effectively. Um, But I have not been able to find anything from this perspective. And that is, there is a growing number of people like you and I who are being asked to do these things, these significant tasks, these roles, Um, to live into expectations for organizations and help organizations really reinvigorate themselves because a lot of them are experiencing decline for having not turned earlier in the century, but we'll get to that another day. Uh, My hope is that I can kind of serve as a guide as we journey through this development process together. And so I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And right now we will begin monthly. Some of our episodes will be similar to this one where it is you and I, and we are having um, a dialogue, even though it may sound like a monologue about a particular leadership challenge for those in our shoes. Um, There will also be some interviews with other leaders, not all church leaders. (laughs) I want to make sure we we are clear about that. But other leaders who have been asked to do the same thing that we all are living through. And they will share with us their experiences. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to these conversations, um, both on the podcast, and with you. So, without further ado, 
I want to officially welcome all of the true freshmen. This is your campus. This is your team. Yeah, I know you didn't have time to redshirt. You didn't get to learn the playbook ahead of time. You didn't get to learn your teammates ahead of time. You didn't get to become acclimated to the culture. Instead, you've been given the opportunity to write the story. You've been given the responsibility of leading change, of turning an organization around. You've been given the privilege of making the impossible possible. All the things that people don't think can happen, you know they can. And your team, well, we are depending on you to do what you know to do. No one's going to tell you how to do it. But you'll know. And we'll know. Shoot, the whole world will know. Because that is what I am believing for you. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.